Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Today on the state of Ukraine, Western companies still operating in Russia are finding it challenging to leave. And a young Ukrainian athlete flees the war and finds her sport helps make a home in the U.S. I'm Christine Arismeth. The U.S. and Western allies imposed sanctions on Russia in an effort to hamper its ability to fund the war in Ukraine. But there are still Western companies operating in Russia. And getting out isn't as easy or clear-cut as it might seem. NPR international affairs correspondent Jackie Northam has this report. Just after Russian forces moved into Ukraine a little over a year ago, the U.S. and its allies began leveling sanctions against individuals, banks, and companies with ties to the Kremlin. There was no requirement that U.S. companies leave Russia, but Western companies feared they could get caught up in sanctions, and there was public pressure to get out. It was an incredibly frantic time. Adam M. Smith is a former U.S. Treasury Department official, now a partner at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher. Here in the U.S., partners of mine in the U.K., across Europe, across Asia, uh, were responding to increasingly frantic calls from folks that didn't understand uh, what these sanctions meant for them and typically how to stay on top of it. And this was when sanctions were changing at an incredibly rapid clip. There were roughly 1,400 Western companies operating in Russia before the Ukraine war, according to Jeffrey Sonnenfeld with Yale's Chief Executive Leadership Institute. He says roughly three-quarters of those have withdrawn from Russia, including about 325 American companies. Some, like airlines, restaurant chains, energy and IT companies, quickly pulled out, sold their franchises, severed their agreements with Russian companies, or suspended operations. Sonnenfeld says others took much longer to get out. There were companies that were going through stages of exit that had some difficulties getting out. There were some legal uh, complications. There were franchise arrangements and things that made it hard for them to figure a way out. Sonnenfeld says about 400 companies still remain, including American ones. Mark Dixon runs the Moral Ratings Agency, which also charts Western companies operating in Russia. His group, like Sonnenfeld's, keeps a long list of hundreds of companies in various stages of activity in Russia. He says some prominent firms have said they're getting out, but sometimes that's not the full picture. Sometimes those announcements only related to certain activities, and sometimes they were announcements of what they would do, but then the companies never followed through and actually did it. Daniel Treisman, a Russia specialist at UCLA, says some companies are hedging their bets to see what happens once the Ukraine war is over. He says Western companies run the risk of reputational harm if they stay, but could lose customers to other companies still in Russia if they go. They don't want to be uh, outmaneuvered by their rivals. Uh, so they don't want uh, other firms from other countries, uh, from China or from wherever, to step in when they step out and take over that part of the market. And companies, large or small, trying to exit Russia are facing a loss, says Daniel Tannenbaum, who advises multinational companies at the consulting firm Oliver Wyman. No one is really making money on exiting Russia because it's essentially a fire sale. 
for the companies that are still there that are planning to exit, there's some that are also trying to manage the cheapest exit, if that makes sense, really the least loss to their shareholders as possible. And the Russian government has been making it more difficult for companies to pull out, says Adam M. Smith. One of the things they've done in the past few months is impose what looks like an exit tax. Some percentage of that will go to the Russian Ministry of Finance or the Central Bank of Russia. Revenues which could be used for the war in Ukraine. In general, American companies currently are not required to pull out of Russia. But lawyer Tannenbaum says the Biden administration is sending signals that could change. I think you're beginning to see more pressure and companies give into that pressure of just like enough of waiting, just leave. You're still on the ground. Another reason to get out? The real possibility the Russian government could just come in and seize the company. Jackie Northam, NPR News. When Russia invaded Ukraine last year, a promising teenage tennis player and her mom had to flee Kiev. They were eventually approved to relocate to the United States and landed in New Hampshire. Now, the sport she loves is helping her find her way in America. New Hampshire Public Radio's Todd Bookman has her story. Let's go. Up. Nice. Next. It's a warm day and a circus of little kids run around a tennis court. In the middle, 17-year-old Paulina Makarenko conducts them with her racket. Yes, good job. Next, guys. Makarenko is single-handedly improving the tennis skills of an entire neighborhood of kids. The parents pay her a little money, donations really, to help support her own tennis dreams. Her goal is to play in college in America, a place she never imagined she'd live. So had you ever heard of New Hampshire? Nope. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) Really good. I like, um, I love this era. Yeah, lots of trees. Lots of trees. Just, I see tree, 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 tree. She and her mom, Nina, have spent about nine months now in the coastal town of Hampton Falls. They're staying in a home owned by a local church surrounded by woods. As is true for others who had to flee Ukraine, the day of the invasion is seared in her memory. It's four o'clock. I wake up. I have a school this uh, day. Uh, it's a Thursday, February 24. Um, and wake up because a uh, bomb. They could hear shelling in the distance. Makarenko said her father grabbed their documents, and they all want to stay with an aunt in another part of the city. First day we wait. I don't know. Just wait. Um, we not believe. Lots of rockets, and it's really loud. This night we go to bas- basement. They spent the next 14 nights in the basement. After two weeks of shelling, she and her mom made the decision to go to Poland. Her father, like other Ukrainian men, wasn't allowed to leave. They had limited time to pack, to grab what she could. My clothes <laughs> and uh, my backpack. Uh, it's a tennis backpack. So you brought your clothes and a tennis racket? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's all. After three months in Poland, Makarenko and her mom were connected with an American who was willing to sponsor them. They were approved for what's called humanitarian parole, which allows them to stay in the U.S. for up to two years. In Hampton Falls, a small team of families organized. They arranged the housing, coordinated all the paperwork, and managed donations. Katie McLaughlin is one of the helpers. When they got here, there were a lot of tears and just a lot of emotional stuff to deal with. Makarenko enrolled in Winnicunit High School, where she's in her junior year. Her mom Nina started taking English classes and recently got a part-time job at Home Depot. They've settled here, in a way. 
which means that the thing that was central to the whole family before the war, tennis, is back, front and center. Before the COVID pandemic and then the invasion, Makarenko was ranked in the top 50 for juniors in Ukraine. But here, she's starting from scratch. She doesn't have a ranking yet because she's only played in a few tournaments. Most teenagers hoping to play in college train year-round, five, six days a week. They work with a coach. They have hitting partners and a routine. Makarenko is cobbling it all together. And do some approach shots. Katie McLaughlin reached out to everyone she could find in the local tennis community. Coaches responded by offering free or discounted lessons, including Chum Steele, who played in the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, and now gives instruction at a local club. More spin. Save your swing just as hard, but you have more spin. Tonight, Makarenko is hitting with a 79-year-old member of the club, while Steele gives advice. Despite the upheaval of the past year, he thinks she's already good enough to play in college. Tremendous ground strokes, tremendous power, and she needs lots of match play experience. That's the, that's the big thing that she's lost in the last couple of years. Her high school team season is just getting underway, and she'll play in elite regional tournaments. School's otherwise going well. Her English is rapidly improving. She's got friends. She's going to take driver's ed this fall. Her life is beginning to take root here. Uh, right now is good. Good life I have. So I'm happy. Very, very busy, Polina. Right? Oh, yeah, busy. <laughs> busy. That's why I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm so busy. <laughs> busy with her life and soon reunited with her whole family. Makarenko recently found out that Victor, her dad, was granted permission to leave Ukraine. He's got some paperwork to finish, and then he'll soon join them in America. For Here and Now, I'm Todd Bookman. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. When voters talk during an election season, we listen. We ask questions, we follow up, and we bring you along to hear what we learned. Get closer to the issues, the people, and your vote at the NPR Elections Hub. Visit npr.org slash elections.